I know that most of you know this, but for several months already we've been in the book of James. But we did take the last two weeks off because of the holidays and different sermons that were preached. And so I know this is kind of a little bit of a a choppy approach to the study of James, and I apologize for that. But at the same time, I felt like I was preaching what I was supposed to, so I'll not apologize for that aspect of it. But this morning, we are going to be back in the book of James. James is where we're going to be in chapter 4. And as you're finding your place there, I want to share a story with you that illustrates a thought that I want us to give attention to toward the end of the sermon. So you may listen to the story. You may say, I I don't really relate to that. That's fine. I think you can understand the principle. I think you can understand the point of what I'm about to say and then make the application as we come to a close in the message. But every once in a while at our house, when we eat supper, we decide to change things up a little bit. And rather than eating at the kitchen table, we'll just grab our food and we'll go into the living room to eat. The TV isn't on. It's not like we're in the middle of some movie or something. We just decide to have supper there in the living room. And because of the nature of things, you've got your plate of food and then you've got the the drink of whatever it is you're having. And so how it is in our house, you do one of two things with your drink. You either set it on the end table beside you or you set it on the floor by your feet. And so as we're eating and as we're conversing, as people are telling stories, whatever it may be, in the past, this doesn't happen all the time, but in the past this has happened, that somebody realizes they need something out of the kitchen, maybe they forgot a napkin or a fork or whatever it may be, And in getting up rather quickly, not really paying attention, maybe being somewhat careless, here's what has happened a couple of times. You get up, you kick the glass of water or Coke or whatever it is you have in your cup, and that fast, you've got a mess. Not paying attention, not being careful, not really thinking about everything that was going on, And just that fast, a mess has been created that then needs to be dealt with, that then needs to be addressed. Now, again, you may say, well, I've never knocked over a drink. I've never spilled anything like that. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever taken something out of the oven, set it to the side, and without thinking, you reached over, you grabbed it, you touched it, and as soon as you touched it, you were reminded, ow, that's hot. You ever had a moment like that where, where you're just not thinking, your mind's just not fully engaged in everything it is you're doing, and you reach over and you touch it? Well, you've done something like that. And, and if you've never touched a hot dish that just came out of the oven, if you've never spilled a drink, then I would be willing to bet this, that at some point in your life you've done something that you said as soon as you did it, well, that was dumb. We didn't do it on purpose. We didn't do it intentionally. But as soon as we realized what happened, we said to ourselves, well, that wasn't very smart. Well, that one's going to hurt. That one's going to leave a mark. Whatever it may be, we realized it, though it was not done intentionally. Now, again, we'll come back to that in a few moments. But this morning, I want to remind us who James is writing to in this particular letter. 
He is writing to fellow Jews who are not just Jews by way of nationality, but they are Jews who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. We would call these saved individuals, saved people who just happen to be Jews by way of nationality. There is no reason for us to read through this letter and suspect that James is just writing this letter to Jews at large, saved or unsaved. The context leads us to believe that James is writing to believers, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, as we keep that in mind, I want us to look toward the middle of verse number four. In the middle of verse number four, here is what we see that James does. He references both the world and God. So in verse number four, James references both the world and God. And as he does so, I know that you know this, but I want us to to give attention to this that whenever James speaks of the world, he is not speaking of the world in a general or vague sense. He's not talking about attractions in the world. He's not talking about landmarks in the world. He's not talking about things that you need to see or things that you need to experience as you live in this world. What James is doing in verse number 4, as he writes about the world, as he writes about God, he is writing about the mindset and he is writing about the philosophy of this world in contrast to the mindset and the philosophy of God. Okay, And so as you think about that, here is what you understand, is that the mindset and the philosophy of God is always in contrast and in contradiction to the mindset and the philosophy of God. They are never in agreement one with another. They have never been in agreement with one another, and they will never be in agreement with one another. The mindset and the philosophy of this world is always in contrast and always in contradiction to the mindset and the philosophy of God. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, if you don't understand what I'm saying whenever I make those comments, then let's think about it from this perspective. Here is what the world would tell us. This is what the world's mindset and philosophy would be, that as you go through this life, here's what you need to do. You need to work as hard as you can, make as much money as you can, and acquire as many of the things of this world as you can. As you look at the world's mindset and philosophy, here's what the world tells you. Work, 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 work. Make all the money you can because that is what matters in this life. You and I, if we're honest, we know that that is the mindset of this world. The mindset of the world would also include something like this, just by way of illustration, that when someone offends you, that when someone does you wrong, never forgive and never forget. The world tells you that if someone has wronged you, if someone has offended you, if someone has slighted you, don't you ever forgive them and don't you ever forget it. You always be mindful of who has done you wrong and you keep track of offenses. That's the world we live in. The world tells us things like this. 
You only live once. You better live for yourself and make the most of it. Do what makes you happy. That's the world we live in. That is just a sampling of the world's mindset and philosophy to life. Work, make money, consume it upon yourself. If someone wrongs you, if someone offends you, don't forgive, don't forget, hold it against them. You only live once, you better make a splash, you better enjoy it, you better leave without any regrets, but it's all centered around the individual and their desires, their wants, their pleasures. Now again, that is not at all what the mindset or the philosophy of God would be. As you read through the scripture, this would be somewhat of a summary and a sampling of the mindset of God. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. It's just not worth it because thieves can steal it and and moths can eat it and rust can corrupt it. What the scripture says is this, is what you want to invest in is eternity. That's what matters most. The scripture says this, when someone has wronged you, when someone has offended you, here's what you need to do. You need to forgive them and not keep track of the offenses. As, As the disciple asked, Christ, how many times do I forgive? Seven times? Christ said no, 70 times 7. The implication there being, don't try to keep track, just keep forgiving. The mindset and the philosophy of God is this. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. We see this, don't we? That the world says this is how you're supposed to live and and this is what you're supposed to do and this is what's supposed to be important to you. This is what the world says and yet God on the other side of the spectrum says, but this is what I say. This is what I tell you to do and this is how I tell you to live and, and this is what should be important and this is what you should pursue and there is nothing by way of agreement between the philosophies more times than not. The world is going one direction while God is going a completely separate direction. Now as you look in verse number 4, if you look in the last part of the verse, here is what James went on to say. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Let's hear this, please. He said that whosoever therefore will be a friend. What does it mean to be a friend? Well, it means this, that you have an affection or a closeness to someone or something. So if you read this, here is what James alludes to and makes fairly clear that he says that as a believer, you have the ability to make this choice To be a friend of the world. To give your affection and to give yourself to the mindset and to the philosophy of this world. Are we hearing this? That, That a person has the ability to choose if they are going to be a friend of this world. But what James reminded them is what... 
What James reminded them of is this, is that if a person chooses to be a friend of the world, then that automatically makes them the enemy of God. It makes them the enemy of God. What does it mean to be the enemy of someone? It means this, to be one who opposes, who, who stands in opposition of someone. So James, writing to believers, says, here is the world, here is God. They knew what the worldly mindset would be. They knew what a godly mindset would be. And he says to the believers that if you choose to be a friend of the world, if you decide I'll live for self, if you decide I'm not going to forgive, if you decide I only live once and I'm going to make a splash, if that's the way you decide to live, you must know that you then are living in opposition to God and God's will. You cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. It is absolutely impossible. Now, as that is so, notice what he said in the first part of the verse. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? These are pretty bold words, aren't they? Remember, he's writing to Jews. Jews who would have been familiar with the Old Testament terminology and some of the illustrations that were used in the Old Testament. And so whenever James speaks of adulterers and adulteresses, you know, I think as well as I do, that that is terminology they would have immediately understood because anybody who knows anything about an adulterer or an adulteress, they know what that implies. It implies a lack of faithfulness on the part of one toward the relationship with another. Is that right? Come on. Adulterers or adulteresses, here is what they have done. They have made a pledge, they have made a promise, they have made a commitment to be faithful to one, yet they did not and they have not honored that pledge and that promise and commitment. And so here's what the adulterer and the adulteress does, is they give their affection and they give their flesh to someone else. That is what the adulterer or the adulteress does. They have promised faithfulness and loyalty to one, and yet they give themselves, both with their emotions and their affections and their flesh, they give those things to someone else, and they have shown themselves now to be unfaithful. So here is James writing a letter to believers and he calls them adulterers and adulteresses. And then he says, know ye not? Do you not understand this? Do you not recognize this? Do you not realize this? 
And I think as they read those words that James was communicating to them, obviously in light of the fact that some had been unfaithful, not in their relationship to their spouse, but in their relationship with God, I think they had to have known, yes, I do know this, that you cannot be friends with God and friends of the world But James had to bring it to their attention in some very strong terms. Let's listen now. He had to bring it to their attention in strong terms that if you are not faithful, listen, if you are not faithful to God, then you are not a friend of God's. That's what he said, right? Do you not know this? They knew it. They understood this. They had an understanding of what adultery was and a lack of faithfulness was. And they knew that you cannot be unfaithful to one while maintaining a right relationship with the one you've been unfaithful to. So as I was thinking about this, you have to ask this question, or at least I had to ask this question, and, and, and give thought to this idea. When there is adultery, when there is a lack of faithfulness, does it tend to create problems? Well, absolutely it does. But just like in the physical act of adultery, I believe the same would be true in the spiritual act of adultery. That much like many of the mistakes that we make that create a mess, that hurt, that that bite us, so to speak, I think this could be said of the spiritual adultery like physical adultery, that it was never something that was intended to be done when it was committed. You you following this? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just ignorant as to how this works. But in the act of physical adultery, I don't think someone just wakes up one day and says, today is the day that I am unfaithful. And today is the day that I began creating all sorts of problems for me and my spouse. I don't believe that that's done immediately with a one-time decision. I believe it is a series of events that gets people to that position, from what I can tell. Well, I believe the same is true in the spiritual life, People like that James is writing to, I think the spiritual adultery that they committed, it wasn't something that they just woke up one day and said, you know, I'm no longer going to be faithful to God. I'm no longer going to be loyal to Him. I'm no longer going to serve Him only. And today is the day that I become an enemy of God. I don't think that was intentional on their part. Here's what I think happened to them. Kind of like you and I and the messes that we make and the mistakes that we make and and the problems that we cause for ourselves so many times, I think probably what happened was this. In their spiritual lives, they grew careless, distracted, 
not giving heed to certain things they needed to give heed and attention to. Again, I don't think the believers of, of James's day just woke up and said, well, today is the day that we're unfaithful to God and we become an enemy to God. I don't think it happened that way. I think that through carelessness, through distraction, through busyness, and so many other things, here is what happened. Slowly but surely, they began to accept and to adopt the mindset and the philosophy of the world around them until it reached a point that James had to call some of them out and say, you are adulterers, you are adulteresses, and don't you understand that to be such is to be an enemy of God? Some of them needed to read that, and some of them needed to hear that, and some of them needed to be reminded, you cannot live according to the world's mindset and still have a right relationship with God. It's just impossible. And so this morning, I just want to share with you a, a little bit of testimony. You may say, well, that's your testimony, but that's not my testimony. If it's not, that's fine. But here would be a little bit of my testimony that over the course of my life in my relationship with the Lord, I have had seasons of spiritual adultery. I have had seasons in my life where my faithfulness to the Lord was not what it should have been. Now again, you may not be able to relate to this, you may not be able to identify with this, but here's what I would be willing to bet, that most honest believers would have to say this, that there have been seasons in your life where you lacked a faithfulness and a fidelity to God in the way that you ought. God's mindset and God's philosophy was this. God's direction and God's decrees and God's orders were these. And this is what God said is supposed to be. And this is what God said is how we were supposed to live. And though God said it, here's what happened. We found ourselves over here living according to the ways and the mindsets and the philosophies of this world. It's happened to many of us, if not all of us. It may not have ever been anything that was seen publicly. It may have all taken place privately or what we thought was private. But, but I'm just saying most of us, if not all of us, here is what we have failed to do. Like the believers that James was writing to, we have failed to be as faithful to our God as we should have been. And when we failed to be faithful, you know what we became? We became the enemy of our God. Somebody says, well, I was never an enemy of God. No, if you were a friend of the world, then you were an enemy of God. If you were a friend of the mindset and the philosophies of this world, then by, by default, here is what happened. You became opposed to God's will and God's mindset and God's philosophy. If you've ever had a season of rebellion, 
in your walk with the Lord that put you at odds with God. Now, again, I know this may not be the testimony of every person. I understand that that not everybody's story will be the same as mine or maybe someone else's. But I want to talk to you for just a moment about my seasons of being a friend of the world. It boils down to this, really, what I'd like to communicate, and that is this. I never did it intentionally. I never woke up one day and said, Hey, Suze, today is the day that I become a friend of the world. And therefore, today is the day that that I become an enemy of God. I never called a a meeting with the kids and said, okay, listen, kids, I just want you all to know that the choice that dad has made today, that that dad is deciding today to, to be a friend of the world so that I can be the enemy of God. I never intentionally made that choice. But you know what happened? I got careless. I became distracted by other things. I didn't give attention to things that I needed to be giving attention to because I was giving attention to other things. Can any of you relate to this at all? So many distractions, a little bit of carelessness, a little bit of of giving attention to things that just didn't need to have the attention of myself. And, And as a result, here's what happens slowly, gradually, but methodically. I found myself with the world's mindset, with the world's philosophy, and in turn... I became an enemy of God because of how I was living. I was an adulterer, lacking faithfulness to my God in the way that I ought. Someone says, well, what sins did you commit? Well, first of all, I I wouldn't divulge all of that, but the point is just this. It doesn't have to be great, gross, immoral wicked sins. It's just where the mind and the thinking and the thought process and the philosophy begins to to go and, and pretty soon that's what's controlling us as opposed to being yielded to God's ways and God's will and God's mind. And so every once in a while, kind of like the believers that James was writing to, I've had to have it brought to my attention. Hey, Kyle, you're not where you're supposed to be in your relationship with the Lord. And you may sit here this morning and you may say something to this effect. Brother Kyle, I'm not one of the ones who can't identify with you. Brother Kyle, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had those seasons in my life just like you've had those seasons in your life where, where you and, and I, we, could, we would be in agreement that, that I would say the same thing happened to me, not intentionally, not on purpose, 
But I just allowed myself to get distracted, and I was careless. And pretty soon I found myself living like the world was telling me to live, unlike the way God was telling me to live. I know exactly what it is you're talking about. And this morning... I know it's an old principle. I know this is a principle that's kind of just being repackaged and represented to us, but it's one that we need repackaged and represented to us over and over and over again, and that is this. We have got to know that just because we are where we're supposed to be right now does not mean that unfaithfulness can't take place again in the future. Does that make sense? See, so you may sit here this morning and you may say, Brother Kyle, my relationship with the Lord is absolutely what it's supposed to be. I am as faithful as I am supposed to be right now. I am on the Lord's side. I am of the Lord's mindset. I am of the Lord's thinking. I am in the Lord's will. Brother Kyle, I am absolutely there right now. I understand. But it doesn't mean that we can't make a mess again. It does not mean that we cannot get distracted again. Just because we're where we're supposed to be today does not mean that we cannot get careless again in our spiritual lives. Just because we're where we're supposed to be right now in our walk with God doesn't mean that we'll always give attention to the things of God like we're supposed to. It's not automatic, and I know that you know this, but it's not automatic that just because we're serving God today that we'll be serving Him tomorrow in the way that we ought. I have to, and you have to, continue to give heed to where we're at in our walk with God. Because our flesh and this world will always fight against our relationship with God. This world and our flesh will always be tugging at us, saying, go over here, do this, live this way, pursue this, have this mindset, adopt this position, accept this philosophy. And if we're not constantly on top of things with the aid of the Holy Spirit, Though we may be where we're supposed to today, if we're not careful, we'll be unfaithful, we'll have the mindset of the world once more, and we'll be in opposition to God. Now, I don't know. I have no idea where you're at. I have no idea what you're, you're dealing with in your personal life. But I want to ask you something this morning, just a very simple question. Are you, in your walk with God, as faithful as you know you're supposed to be? You've got God right here. You know what His will is. You know what His plan is. You know what His Word says. You know what is right. You know what is wrong. This is God's will right here. Are you as faithful as you know you ought to be? Well, Brother Kyle, no one could ever say they're as faithful as they ought to be. I understand that we've all got areas in which to improve, but we know whether or not we're making the effort. Are we where we're supposed to be? 
Are we as faithful to him as we know we ought to be? Or is our heart wandering just a little bit? Have we begun to flirt with the world just a little bit? Have we begun to give our affections to the things of this world just a little bit? Have we begun to give our flesh to the things of this world just a little bit? If so, I just want to remind us, I don't care how we dress it up, I don't care how we try to paint it, we are at odds with God if we're not as faithful to Him as we ought to be. Well, Brother Kyle, I don't, I don't want to accept that. I don't want to believe that. Well, you don't have to, but it doesn't change anything. The Scripture says, Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Are you as faithful to Him as you ought to be right now? Let's all stand and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help each of us to be honest before you and our relationship with you. God, there's no doubt that some in here this morning are extremely faithful.